This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Thank you very much, um, Richard, and I am delighted to be here in these new headquarters. Um, I have been often to, uh, I guess, the mothership in New York City, uh, but it's good to have an outpost of the council right here down the street from the State Department. Uh, we get a lot of advice from the council, so this will mean I won't have as far to go to uh, be told uh, what we should be doing and uh, how uh, we should uh, think about the future. This is Monica Perez, and that was Hillary Clinton at the opening of the Council on Foreign Relations branch right down the street from the State Department, where she could be a little bit closer to the people who are telling her what she should be doing and how she should be thinking about the future. I only play that for you because we've been talking for the past hour about Donald Trump's plan to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. This isn't his idea. It's a it's a big idea that I've always thought I've always been suspicious of it because it seems to me if we wanted to secure the border, we would. I mean, we have the technology to do harder things than that. But if you don't have the will, if your policymakers don't really want that, then you're not going to get it. So that seems self-evident to me. But by coincidence, I found a smoking gun, a Council on Foreign Relations uh, task force recommendation that Heidi Cruz, Ted Cruz's wife, signed off on, said she agrees with the recommendations. And he did not warn us about this. He was recorded as saying the CFR is a pernicious nest of snakes who want to uh, undermine our sovereignty. And then when asked about, hey, your wife was on it, he said, oh, she was only there for a brief period of time and uh, no big deal. But what he should have said is, hey, I don't agree with my wife on everything. I mean, this is if he's legitimate and sincere. I don't agree with my wife on everything. Uh, and this is what she was working on. It's a public document. And it scares me because it does scare me. I'm going to tell you what the document says. This is a CFR document from 2005 says that the goal is to create a North American community, Canada, the United States, and Mexico, with free movement of labor and uh, goods, products, and people to conform laws and regulations on labor, the environment, other things at the most restrictive standards, to unilaterally adopt the laws of other countries to reach these more restrictive standards, to have a, a council like the Bilderberg Group to advise Congress and those other countries' parliaments on how to conform to the policies recommended in this document, and to share intelligence and uh, do joint exercises with law enforcement and the military across the three countries so they can achieve interoperability. It's a crazy document. You can check it out on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. But if you think the CFR doesn't have power, that clip by Hillary demonstrates she, she gets her marching orders from them as this was while she was Secretary of State. It's kind of scary stuff. Uh, I'm going to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Lee in Buford. Hi, Lee. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks I, for holding. What you got? I am, I am honored to get to talk with you. Thank you. You're welcome. First of all, I agree with you about Donald Trump. 
and uh, being a libertarian, I am very, very concerned about my my liberty as well as my fellow citizens. And what you just said about the CFR, it, it, that sounds more like a it's heading toward like a one world order type. Well, that's the, that's there. I I think it's I don't think it's a really highly disputed thing that they and the people who work with them and the other institutions and think tanks talk about economic conversions to have kind of conforming governments. I think the original statement by Cecil Rhodes over 100 years ago was that their English style social democracy should be everywhere in the world. And if you tick off some of the institutions that have had huge influence like the Carnegie Endowment a hundred years ago said what's the best way to make serious changes in this country to kind of move from an individualistic outlook to a collectivist outlook and the answer was war and shortly thereafter we went into World War One and World War Two, and these things fundamentally changed us after World War One, they tried to do a League of Nations and after World War Two, they did the United Nations and the goals, the stated goals was really to form a prototype for a world government. And I feel like these agreements that can form laws are meant to facilitate that, to, to make it so we're all kind of used to each other, even if our population, maybe integrate our population so we wouldn't even object to this uh, tighter bonds across countries and kind of a, a relinquishment, really, of our sovereignty a little bit, I think. And of our rights, too. Well, that's the problem. Thank you, Lee. That is really my problem, is that I, I really, as a libertarian, I feel everybody in the whole world has these same rights. They're God-given. They're not given to us by the United States government. They're God-given, and everybody has them. Yes, but, yeah, but the United States has the Bill of Rights where they outline some of those rights that must be maintained in the face of government because government is a threat to our rights. So they, they lay out the Bill of Rights in order to give us some defense against government. And basically nobody else has that. So That's to me, right. That's you, why we, yeah. are, we were the greatest country in the world. Right. And and that that's why even though I'm a libertarian, I do care about the sovereignty of the United States because we still have this last gasp. If even just the Second Amendment, if even just that we still have the right to self-defense, which Mexico doesn't. They have a total gun ban. Yes, but it's amazing how they got so many guns, though, anyway, isn't it? Well, I mean, the, the criminals have all the guns. The innocent people who are dying probably don't have the guns, actually. That's right, how it works. Right, and that's what would happen here if we didn't have the Second Amendment, too. Yeah, that's what I feel. And I also think you bring up a good point that, like it was, we did have a free society. And while we're talking about immigration, if you think back into the 19th century of this country, we virtually had free immigration. We can quibble about when immigration laws started or whatever, but there was virtually free immigration. And... But there was also a free economic system. So in natural, and this is the kind of evidence that supports the libertarian viewpoint, that freedom, the right to move around to work and travel, would not result in an avalanche of new people or totally screwed up system. Actually, the flows would be pretty organic. And what you would have is what you did have, which is people who come here and know that it's sink or swim. It attracts a certain kind of pe person, somebody who understands maybe a little bit what they're getting themselves into. People from countries that had a tradition of the Enlightenment, that period in history where basic rights of, of 
people, men, were laid out. And they that it's where our founders got their ideas for our government. And, and back then, when you didn't have the welfare state, when you didn't have laws that required, even even you didn't even have public roads before the Civil War, really. So when you had this real free society, you could have free movement because people who were like-minded would come and participate in the economy in a in a free fashion and it would be sink or swim and they wouldn't survive really they'd go back people went back my great-grandfather went back he left my grandmother in an orphanage and went back as the mother died and his wife died he went back so uh it, it was a different world then, and now I feel like we are being manipulated, and then you have welfare and labor f- dysfunction, and it creates these systematic migratory flows that uh, can really encroach on our ability to defend those rights. I'm going to Sheila in Stone Mountain. Hi, Sheila. You're on with Monica. Hey, how are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? Good. I am an officially registered candidate for the 2016 uh, U.S. presidential election, having registered with the Federal Election Commission. I'm also, I did my undergrad at NYU. Uh, I'm preparing to resume graduate level coursework at Harvard, and I just called to say that uh, Donald Trump was in my hometown uh, Friday night, last night, uh, Mobile, Alabama, which is where I'm originally from. I'm also a medically retired, decorated member, United States Air Force. What's your last name, Sheila? It says you're from Stone Mountain. What's your last name? B like ball, O like Oliver, L like Larry, A like Apple, R like Robert, Bolar. All right, what's your view, what's your platform position on immigration? Well, um, I believe that, you know, that if you're going to be in this country, that you should abide by, uh, you know, U.S. laws, but I, I have to also say that I think Donald Trump, I couldn't imagine that he's thought through all of these off-the-cuff statements that he's making. One, because if you're talking about rounding up anchor babies, their mamas, you know, uh, illegal immigrants and, you know, packing them wherever, buses, trucks, wherever, and sending them back to where they come from, uh, first of all, I think the courts would probably be overwhelmed uh, with an exorbitant amount of lawsuits uh, not just from the folk who just came here recently, but what about all of the folk that's been here for years uh, who had kids in this country? Does, is he including them? I mean, is he talking about rounding up everybody? Yeah. Sheila, what, what you're talking about is, and he said his off-the-cuff statements, I actually went to his website and he did finally put up an immigration plan. It's pretty coherent. It's got some points that he's going to have to defend. I think it's no longer off the cuff, but I'll say that uh, that I want to talk about uh, coming up, probably at the bottom of the hour, this idea of birthright citizenship. Supposedly, he went on uh, Fox News and said the 14th Amendment won't hold up in court, something crazy like that. But I have actually read a little bit. I'm pretty, I'm kind of familiar with this issue of the 14th Amendment and birthright citizenship, and I think there might be something to his claim that uh, he could get away with that, and you might be surprised at what my opinion is. 
404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Make sure you're on time Monday for work at school. We'll check weather and traffic every six minutes on Atlanta's morning news beginning at 4.30 a.m. And Jamie Dupree is back updating campaign 2016. Monday morning on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Tomorrow is expected to be a lot like today, 89 the high, with an increased chance of storms to about 40%. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. I also have a weekend prize pack for you. A pair of tickets to see Michael McDonald in concert on Monday, December 14th at Atlanta Symphony Hall, produced by ASO Presents, and four tickets to the full Atlanta Home Show, September 11th to 13th at the Cobb Galleria Center, 404-741-0750. If you want that, first person to call will get it. And I do have time for a quick call. I'm going to go to Mike in Roswell. Mike, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think this Trump thing is a total distraction. We're coming up on the ninth anniversary of the Banff uh, in Canada conference. The North American Union met with Vincente Fox. President Bush, and I forget the Canadian Prime Minister, but this has been going on for a long time, and I think Trump is simply distracting people from the reality, which is Canada and Mexico will merge probably within the next 10 years, just like they did in the EU. The goal was to get it done by 2010. That is the truth. That's what it said in that document. And I know they always put, I think they put those goals really aggressive to make it look like uh, this isn't going anywhere. But the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership includes Canada and Mexico, and that is going somewhere and has been going on behind the scenes for 10 years. Do you think that that could be the mechanism, how they're going to get this done or start to? Well, absolutely. And I think, you, I think Trump is going to play into these people wanting to you know, get rid of natural birthright citizenship. And so now we have citizens, and it just turns into this really weird mess. And I think it's going to be where we're going to have national id cards and all these kind of things that we've been all that been saying oh those are those are conspiracy theories and it's true wikileaks linked the documents well it's in this document i'm talking about the cfr document which is on my website right now monicaperezshow.com and one of the things they call for is a border pass with biometric data like your dna i mean that's going to be that's surveillance that's not that's that's not necessary for border security Yep, and it'll be all done through the theme of trade. So you have that super highway they're building in Texas right now that the Texans have been fighting for the last five or six years, and that will get passed. Um, you have the oil pipeline coming down from Canada. There's all these things around trade and commerce, so conservatives will back away from it, saying, oh, this is good for business. And in reality, it's going to bring in a, a more of a totalitarian state where everybody has to basically play by the government's rules, and then we bring in these other nations and we form these unions, and our sovereignty gets dissolved, like every other plan that they're trying to roll out. Yeah, that's awesome, Mike. That's great stuff. I'll tell you, I did a show, two shows, on the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership recently. You can look at my podcast tab on my website. But one of the things I did was I read a quote from Barry Goldwater, which said the Trilateral Commission is trying to merge all these countries in this uh, supranational economic regime. So I think you're right. It is going to get done by trade stuff. Trade stuff is trade, treaties, whatever are more the purview of the executive and Congress has already abdicated its constitutional responsibilities to keep tabs on this Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership. So I think you're on to something, Mike. Uh, up next, Don, Ed, they want to challenge, uh, Ed wants to challenge me on my views on Trump and Don wants to talk more about the 14th Amendment. This is Monica Perez. You got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. 
Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, although next Saturday I'll be on from 4 to 6, and I have a special feature. I'm going to do it at 5.30, Ask the Libertarian. I've done it before. I just take rapid-fire questions. I can take them from Twitter, Facebook, email, or you can call. Uh, if you want to contact me any of those other ways, go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com or Twitter at MonicaPerezShow. And the more the better, because I'll try to get to all of them and uh, and I'll just uh, rattle it off. I won't even look at all of them, especially I can't look at the calls. If I can avoid it, I can have somebody else look at them for me. So it's uh, going to be fun. Maybe you can try to stump the libertarian. Maybe I should call it that instead. But what we're talking about is a a libertarian tricky problem, which is immigration, because in a totally free society where we have total control over our private property, nobody can tell us with whom we can trade, who we can give a job to or offer an apartment to none of that. So in in a free society, immigration is not a problem. But in this society where our government does everything it can to take our rights away from us, it, in my opinion, manipulates immigration policy in order to, for one thing, uh, dumb down the voting public. I know that sounds harsh, but there there was a time in the 1960s, Ted Kennedy promoted the 1965 Immigration Reform Act. And he said it wouldn't do what it exactly did, which it changed the profile of immigrants to be lower less educated people from countries that did not share our really libertarian tradition. Countries, European countries that had the Enlightenment had this revelation about individual rights versus the state's power. If you if you transfer the immigration from places that, say, were uh, came from Spanish colonialization, the Spanish colonial period, which did not really have the same kind of recognition of individual rights that maybe the English colonies did or Northern European immigration did, you don't have the kind of inherent understanding of what the Bill of Rights is all about and why we should defend it. Uh, You don't fully uh, adhere to this concept of strict property rights, of strict self-defense laws. And the less educated people are, the less likely they are to be able to get up to speed on that stuff. Now, you could think this was an accident, that that's what this immigration policy did. But at the same time, I was reading a book that just in the early 60s, JFK kind of cracked the code on how to and his team on how to manipulate defense contract spending in order to get voters in very critical counties over to his side. So they were really making a science of voting. And part of that, I think, was to change the shape of the demographic shape of the voting public through things like immigration, a change in the way education was treated, getting more people on the dole who would vote for bigger government. It sounds sinister, but I think we all know that the government can be sinister. So we were talking about this idea that Trump was going, uh, suggested that we end birthright citizenship, which means people who are here illegally or whatever that just being born here in this country even if your parents were not citizens doesn't necessarily make you a citizen so there are a lot of like details to that i'm going to explain it to you but first i want to take a call i'm going to don and alpharetta hi don you're on with monica okay thank you the uh the birthright uh mark levin who has studied the 14th amendment for quite some time 
uh, went back and, and quoted what uh, Jacob Howards, who who authored the amendment. And if you read if you read the intent at the time, it was to to free the slaves. It it wasn't intended for people coming in from other countries, and it's and it's pretty clear. Yeah, you can tell by reading the face. That's what I was going to tell you. I didn't. I I just read it, and I can tell you what it means. But cat finish. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, to me it's it's quite clear. But the the thing with the the illegals coming across the border it's a huge problem. But I think it's also a smokescreen for for a much bigger problem, and the, and that's also addressed in in Trump's plan. And that's the H one Bs. You know they're they're bringing yeah. in hundreds of thousands of people, especially from India, for these engineering and IT jobs. If if you look around Alpharetta, just in the last couple of years as IT moves in. So have all the Indians. You have Infosys, which is uh, from India, is the largest employer of H-1B uh, visas in the United States, if, if not in the world. They're a multi-billion-dollar company. And, and the estimate is that within five years, there will be so many H-1B visas that they will actually have enough of them to fulfill 100% of the tech jobs. And yet you go into a bank and you'll find a teller that has an engineering or an IT degree and they can't find a job. Yeah, I'll I'll address that question first, that topic first. Trump, what... Don is talking about is these uh, visas for higher skilled workers. I remember I was super annoyed when Zuckerberg of Facebook established a $50 million lobby to change our education system more to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, which sounds good, but it actually neglects teaching uh, people how to be good citizens, to understand their voting rights, to understand philosophy, political philosophy, rhetoric, how to argue, how to write. It's tricky because it gives him better, cheaper workers, but it gives us worse voters. But he also promoted this H-1B visa program so that he could get, obviously, it seems to me, so he could get cheaper labor. Now, I actually have thought about that. I, uh, my, I think my, the solution that I have would be perfect if you, if you eliminated, think about this for a second. If you eliminated corporate taxes in this country, basically you would have a flood of corporations coming here. I mean, everybody in the world, practically. And if at the same time you eliminated all government subsidies for higher education, because government subsidies for higher education give you subsidized loans and grants regardless of your major. So there is no like private bank or any by your parents looking at connecting the money you get to go to school with the likelihood you are to repay it. So if you took that out of the equation, people would only go to school if they could do, if they could make their money back. And these corporations who were here for the tax relief would put people to school. That's how a couple of decades ago, my sisters and brothers did that. My sister was a secretary. Her firm put her through school and she became a pharmaceutical chemist. That's what they would do if you had this, uh, if you took the government disincentives for correct education out of the program. And then ultimately, if these foreign countries keep sending their highly educated workers over here and all the, gov- all, the con- all the companies come over here, they'll follow suit. They'll reduce corporate taxes. They'll want to keep their people back there or they'll stop subsidizing the education if they're losing all those guys. So there is a free market solution to that problem. But, 
But uh, Trump wants to address it, understandably, with the problem that we have now by saying you have to force American companies to try to hire Americans first and put a, uh, a wage floor on the people you can bring over that only they can only do the super high level stuff that any American who can fill that job should take it. So he does want to tweak it. But I can't, uh, you know, I don't like to tweak. I like to fix the problem from a free market perspective. And I do, I do want to talk about the 14th Amendment. But first, let me just uh, take Ed. Ed in Atlanta, you're on with Monica. Yeah, hey, Monica. Uh, I hear you, you guys are always talking negative about Trump. Are you, are you, are you liberal or, or a conservative? <laughs> What's up with that? I'm a libertarian. So okay, well, I say libertarian. Can you just yeah? I'm going to tell you what it means. It's it's. I'm going to tell you what it means. It means that uh, in three parts: fiscal conservatism, so no welfare at all, very small government, especially at the federal level, basically just national defense at the federal level. For social legislation, I am a strict defender of civil liberties and the Bill of Rights. You cannot legislate morality, especially at the federal level. And uh, wars have to be just wars. They have to be defensive. You cannot fight wars to defend uh, British petroleum or uh, American oil companies abroad. It has to be to protect and defend us. So that's the libertarian okay, philosophy. Okay, our economy is not, not part of us? Uh, our economy is, I believe, in a free economy. It's, is it part of the American system? Yes or no? What? Define the American system. Oh, my gosh. Uh, capitalism, free Yes, market. the economy is part of capitalism and okay, the free so market, got, yes. you got illegals coming across the border, not only killing Americans, but stealing jobs, going on welfare, getting all kinds of entitlements. we got to pay for their babies being born. Now you're saying they're American citizens. That, that is total nonsense. What are you People saying that I said? Americans died in Afghanistan to fight these... Intruders. Hold on, Ed. I'm going to give you one chance to say to me what I said, one sentence that I said that you don't that you object to, so I can explain it. I'm not understanding what You're I said that you don't like. Trump on the wall and the, and the anchor babies, and I and me and the millions of Americans are for Trump's ideas. I don't know what's going on. But we got enough liberals attacking him as it is. We don't need a conservative uh, uh, radio station or TV station doing the same thing. All right. I'm a libertarian, and I am going to tell you, I did not address the anchor baby thing. I was going to just explain it to you. And as a matter of fact, I think you would be surprised because I agree with the previous caller, Don, who said it isn't that the 14th Amendment doesn't actually necessarily confer this just solely, this right of the soil. I'm going to read the 14th Amendment, and it seems to me on its face it's very clear what it was for. It says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein the, they reside. Now, this was done in the wake of the Civil War, so it's pretty clear it was meant to give freed slaves citizenship. But what it says is all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. They don't put stuff in there if it's extra. If born or naturalized means subject to the jurisdiction thereof, they wouldn't put it in there. If born or naturalized was sufficient to give citizenship, they wouldn't have put that extra clause. What does subject to the jurisdiction thereof mean? Well, 
why would you not be subject to the jurisdiction thereof if you were subject to another jurisdiction? So if you were an English subject and you had a baby here, your baby would be an English subject. It would not be an American subject if you read this clause as having meaning. Now, people can argue it. Great scholars have argued about this. But I'm saying you would not even have to overthrow the 14th Amendment to argue that this was meant to address what would be a problem of freed slaves being basically stateless. So if they're here, if they reside here, if they're subject to our laws, which they would be, then they would be citizens. But if you are subject to another law, if you're the citizen of another country, and and only 30 of the world's like 200 countries has this birthright citizenship, everybody else confers your subject of that country. If your parents are subjects of that country, 160 countries, something like that, say that. So of all those countries who have babies here, people have babies here, they are subject to their own. So, so Trump's idea does not necessarily conflict with the 14th amendment boy uh but i'm open to discussion 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk this is monica perez maybe it's something really cool that i don't even know about monica perez on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb it's a five on the Mellish meter, 83 degrees outside the studio weekend weather is brought to you by shumi the official air conditioning of summer We're talking about the immigration story and the libertarian position is hard to understand. I modify my position because I recognize that we don't actually live in a free society, but I do not back off my basic principles. But I'm going to at the top of the hour, I'm going to go through the the policies of this coercive monopoly state that that interfere with the possibility of a free society in Uh, the context of immigration. So if you want to talk about the libertarian issues, give me a call 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Anthony in Atlanta. Hi, Anthony. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm fine. I am a professional African-American social and fiscal conservative. And um, I want to mention quickly, I have a lot of concerns about Donald Trump. One primary concern is that he definitely understands capitalism and business, but he doesn't understand our politics and government and diplomacy. Those things work different from the way cal- from the way corporations work. And what scares me is the abrasiveness that he has would isolate him in dealing with not only the Republican Party, but certainly the Democratic Party. And in addition to that, we need a new president coming in who is going to build bridges and not make additional enemies and those are you know in addition to his other policies of flip-flopping where he's a democrat you know five years ago and now he's a republican he's pro-life and he's pro-choice he sort of flip-flops so all right I, yeah and i would be afraid monica that yeah. he would get in office and then he would bump heads with congress and then just do things by executive order and we would end up in a war Well, yeah, the the executive, uh, the idea of actually doing stuffing by stuff by executive order could be a problem. That's for sure. But the idea of just having uh, a uh, deadlock gridlock in Washington kind of appeals to me. Like if they had total gridlock when the USA Patriot Act expired, that section that what they weren't sure if it allowed metadata collection. 
it would have been great. But instead, at the last minute, they got together and they did the USA Freedom Act, which institutionalized metadata collection. Same thing with this Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership uh, stuff. There was a lot of pushback in Washington against giving fast track authority to Obama and his successor. But at the last minute, Boehner and the Democrats got together and they gave it to Obama. So they do, when they get things done, it's never good for us, in my experience. And I would argue with you, sadly, I think Donald Trump maybe does uh, understand politics. I mean, it's not sad that he understands it. It's sad that what he understands is it's closer, it might be, closer to a reality show than a contest of statesmanship. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.